I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good morning, good afternoon, good night. Whatever time of day it is that you're listening to this episode, I just hope you're doing well and you're having a great day. I'm Colin Daniels, the host of Young Influential's podcast, and we're talking to Asad Malik of Jadu AR, where we're talking all things Web3, crypto, NFT, other big tech things I don't understand. Um, Asad breaks it down for all of us today, and I hope you learned something like I did. I learned so much in this episode. So pull out a pen, paper, your phone, and get ready to be inspired. So, Asad, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Um, so our first question that we ask all of our guests is, what does Young Influential mean to you? Young Influential. Um, I mean, you know, like for me personally, I've always felt that my younger years are where I think I am the most creative and I'm growing and I'm learning. And, you know, I, I always felt that like young people in a lot of parts of the world were expected to actually spend a lot of time and gain a lot of experience and spend a lot of years till they have the ability to contribute anything in meaningful ways. And I've always felt like that is uh, not the ideal structure because often young people are uh, where a lot of new creative originality kind of emerges from. So um, to me, this feels like a good way of kind of encouraging and recognizing people to push themselves when they're young. And that's like one thing I feel like technology and a lot of platforms and stuff today have really brought to the forefront is that anybody, there's like seven-year-olds who are creating cool startup apps to 70-year-olds who are doing the same thing. And I feel like now it's more acceptable and people can actually see and understand that you can be as young as seven or as old as whatever to do anything that age really doesn't define when you how you can impact the world or actually create something which is really cool yeah i think it's like uh you know i i went to high school in europe and i went to college in the u.s and i went to middle school in pakistan so i feel like i got my education in a lot of different parts of the world and i really noticed like especially between europe and the u.s you really notice that difference in europe you're expected to really master your craft and be humble about it for a long period of time and, you know, like grow and learn, have mentors. And only when you're much older in most fields, are you expected to be able to contribute something original? And I, I appreciate that kind of cautious take. It has definitely advantages to it, but I do think that the way things are done here, it's more like, yo, anyone can, anyone can create original things and can contribute in original ways at any given time and i think uh 
for the most part, I think this way of thinking has more more benefits. Yeah, I, compl- I completely agree. And speaking of when you were younger, so did you have an interest in AR technology at a young age? Like, was there a, was there like something that sparked that interest growing up? So um, I've my interest early on when I was eleven, I started making websites. So it was the idea of making a creative thing with technology that existed for a long time. And uh, I always thought from the perspective of product and design and function. And it was only when I was around 18, when I decided to go to college and I had decided to go to an art school, uh, when I was really pushed to kind of think about expression beyond just design and functionality. And that's really where um, I think AR became really attractive to me because, you know, it felt like uh, a technologically forward medium it was clear to me that that's a next step it just makes a lot of sense uh but there wasn't much creative narrative expressive work taking place in that sector if you may and that's really when i really gravitated towards it and i think a lot of the things that i did earlier in my teenage years kind of compounded there and came together so it was really in 2016 that i dove really deep into ar yeah and i feel like especially like back then i remember like games like i don't know like dance dance revolution that would mix different things like music and technology and stuff like that. But, um, I know from my perspective, that was like one thing that really sparked me. I'm like, oh, cool. Like different technology in different forms can mesh. Like it can work with everything. And nowadays you filters with pictures, like it kind of, everything kind of transcends. And I feel like around that time we got to kind of see firsthand how different platforms and different fields can kind of mesh and come together, which is really cool. Totally. I think, uh, you know, uh, AR is really where a lot of, you can trace back AR to a lot of different lineages, you know, like a lot of things are connecting now, right? Like on one hand, you have the history of media, you know, on the other hand, you have history of like, you know, creating content and experiences and, you know, all these things kind of coming together at this inflection point to offer these next mediums. I think uh, it's really interesting. It's not just, oh, like, movies this is the future of movies it's not as simple as that it becomes starts to become the future of interfacing with any form of like media or other people's ideas and thoughts you know yeah and so in terms of like after like from high school and stuff was there like a first job from there that uh kind of got your first like hands-on experience within like the ar tech realm or how was how was that um, experience starting? Yeah, I, I I I don't think I've ever had a job. Um, you know, I think the one time that I probably could say I really had a job was I was writing for a blog when I was a teenager for a month. That was like my month long <laughs> job where I was getting actually paid some salary or something, right? Um, other than that, like for me, it's always. It's always been one of those things where I think you can do a lot on your own. I think, uh, especially working in a new medium, you want to have the most flexibility possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so my experience getting into AR was that I was taking architecture classes in my school and I was able to try an AR headset in an architecture firm where they were strictly using it for references to be able to kind of spatialize 3D models, things like that. And when I tried it, I immediately, I was like, okay, this is... Like you can do so much more with this than what is happening right now. This is before Snapchat filters or Instagram filters were a thing. So I basically spent the summer making websites and just collecting money and going to hackathons and whatnot. And I ended up with the three thousand dollars I needed to order myself a Microsoft HoloLens. Oh, come and on. And 
yeah, so I ordered myself that headset. It was a developer kit. And, you know, I knew that only a handful of people on the planet had it or were working with it. And I just started making things for it. You know, I just started making like quick little experiences for it that uh, I was able to share online that started getting some attention online that put me in a position to be able to go and raise some money in order to keep building projects there. So, you know, we did a lot of one-off projects that we were raising, you know, one-off budgets for and then producing them. And it was really when the project started getting into film festivals when my career kind of took off from there. And that's so true though, that point you made about having to like kind of do it by yourself because I know um, for like myself, like I taught myself how to do Photoshop and a lot of different other like video editing tools. And I feel like most creators I've talked to who are, who builds computers from scratch or build anything really it's always it's never like a job or something taught them it's like you said that's from them taking the time by themselves and kind of changing them on their own because they need that flexibility and that time to kind of develop and spend more time with it yeah and especially if you're trying to work um, on things that haven't quite happened yet you're not going to find jobs or actually you're not going to find like specific curriculums or anything about that either because the whole point is that it's brand new and you're trying to make something new happen so you know like new things emerge out of i think often like individuals that are pushing themselves to get into those and you know because uh companies do that as well obviously companies have like big r&d budgets that go into these things but really like a lot i think a lot is can be said for individual creators that you know grab onto a medium and then just do the best they can with it before it's even commercial uh yeah so cool i completely agree um and so in terms of like whenever when you guys were creating shadu like what was the inspiration behind that and like how did that come about like was there like something that you saw that you're like you know what like i feel like i'm this is missing from the market or this is missing from the tech space so um you know uh since i was kind of like 15 16 i was on the search for like my my life's project you know my life's work what is this like ultimate thing i can do that should be as expansive as possible be able to kind of build it out for a lot of my life and initially i really grasped onto voice i was like okay voice is really powerful medium and it's the internet is not doing enough for oral histories and you know a lot of cultures converse orally more so than they do in writing and i really kind of grasped that idea and started doing a lot of work on it and that eventually but by the time i found ar i had transferred over the same way of thinking to ar basically which was this is a really phenomenal expansive medium and i want to be able to build the most expansive platform for this medium and what is the path to that so the concept of Jadu existed for me like five or six years ago. It's just that it was concept because it wasn't enough for me to go and make a platform. Nothing really existed. Like there wouldn't have been a market for it. So it made more sense for us to go and create these one-off projects that were designed to be, you know, experiments and learning more about this medium and being able to put things in practice. Like, you know, if we were saying, hey, in the future, movies are going to be where you see characters in your room as holograms that talk to you and interact with you and if we want, if think that could be the future, let's go build the closest thing to that we can with our current tech stack. So we were doing a lot of those kind of one-off projects that were gaining some attention. And by the time I graduated, moved to LA, 
Um, I had more resources. We had developed a name for ourselves. We had a small team that was well experienced in the space. And we felt like we were ready to kind of take that next step of developing this out as a platform. And that's when we really started pushing for Jadu to be this, you know, rather than being a one-off project, being something that can be grown and iterated upon for an infinite amount of time. And that's really what our focus over the last couple of years has been. And I feel like what you just said is true too. Like I, what I really like about the app is it's, I feel like what makes it different is how the um, AR characters can interact with different objects, like the different virtual objects in the app. Because I feel like a lot of them nowadays, like I'm trying to I think of like Snapchat filters. I know like TikTok and other ones have it where it's just the object itself, but it can't really interact with other ones in the like space in in the space or in the app. And so I feel like that's what makes you guys stand out too as well. Like how all the ones in there can interact with like the hoverboards and everything in it. And it kind of like branches out and it completely blows my mind. Every time I look at it, I'm like, (laughs) wow, this is on another, I'm like, this is on another level. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the idea is that for things like Instagram and Snapchat, right? Like these are, you know, these are web two companies. I'm going to say that now because, you know, we're (laughs) treating everything as web three and with crypto and everything. So the web two companies, their aim has always been that they're as default as possible. They don't really have a voice. The platforms don't have a voice. The users on the platform have a voice. So because of that, all the filters are really just like a cool interaction. It's like, oh, cool filter. Oh, sick. This does this. Like that's extent of it, right? You can record a video with it, which once again, to me, like before you can, you can even have a 3D spatial experience, you're kind of preoccupied with recording it as a 2D video. And I, I think of that as a big limiter. So what we are doing is, first of all, you know, we're making these avatars playable, which already, um, you know, is a, it's a pretty interesting step because people have always treated AR as a first-person medium. You are the character, right? You don't need another character mm-hmm. in the middle. However, when we put this other character in the middle, it made everything so much more tangible. Seeing another avatar running around your space, crashing into walls, picking up objects, suddenly becomes a really expansive platform for these like completely new novel types of interactions. So that's kind of one thing. Uh, the other thing is we're building all of this in one cohesive world. So we are building an AR platform that really relies on story and narrative to give things meaning. So when you go and grab, when you go and unbox your hoverboard for the first time and write it, it's not just some cool box you open and cool AR experience. It's actually like you have the feeling of receiving your hoverboard and your like box. And it feels a lot more tangible and real. And, you know, you, you're a lot more invested in that experience and that moment because of the overall story world around it. So that's kind of how we're treating it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. 
But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Yeah, like you said, like we're now like in, entering like Web3 and other different technology. So it, you can't you can't really compare and comp- like the different ones compared to like Snapchat or other filters. This is like a total like a new realm that we're entering. So it's definitely it's always changing. And um, for speaking of like other and changes and do things like are there any cool partnerships that you guys have done um, recently or in the past that you guys are excited about or that you really enjoyed doing partner like I know you guys did one with Snoop Dogg recently that was really cool like do you guys have any other upcoming ones or past ones that were really awesome yeah totally so you know uh kind of coming out of the film festival circuit where we were initially operating and you know we we had the chance of creating some really incredible projects for a lot of uh, people we did a, a project with Serena Williams that was really sick you oh, know wow. we did an interactive hologram of Serena Williams that is now being used in various educational institutes where kids can sit and have a conversation with Serena about her career. So that's something that we build. Then for Jadu, we we were doing kind of interactive musical holograms for a long time. And so we were able to work with artists like Lil Nas X um, when we were building that. And really like the transition to what we're doing now, where we're kind of producing these NFT assets that, you know, uh, fit into our world. Um, we are now able to, you know, work with a lot of artists in, in, in a way more collaborative manner, in my opinion, where we're not designing some marketing activation for them. That's not the point. The point is that they are collaborating with us in our world. So we work with Grimes and Lewis Hamilton, Snoop Dogg on creating these signature series hoverboards, which means we were already making hoverboards. They just collaborated with us in building hoverboards that were, you know, aestheticized and branded with them and created co-created with them so it wasn't like a marketing release for their upcoming song it was more of them working with us for our upcoming release and i think that shift in dynamic has been really strong because uh you know i think uh, uh all these artists are also really enjoying working in these brand new mediums and you know exploring the possibilities there so as you just said we did something further with snoop dog where snoop dog released these avatars that you know our community members were kind of whitelisted for and they were able to participate in that and we, we will have similar things coming with lewis hamilton and grimes as well and then we are going to be doing some more stuff in the summer where we're going to have more partnerships and more people that are working with on which i cannot really say much right now <laughs> yeah do you do you have any like artists or like um celebrity other celebrities that you guys uh, would be like your guys's like dream collab of working with um i mean things change you know over time like there was a time when um you know when we were doing musical holograms i was really i really wanted to work with billy eilish because yes. you know <laughs> like uh, our priority was to reach an audience and especially a couple of years ago when billy eilish was really like coming up had this like really intense teenage audience which I thought would have been a perfect fit for that, like that format of our product. And, you know, we were actually in conversations with their team at some point and, you know, our pots kind of changed as well because we dove into the web three space and started doing some of this NFT world building stuff, which I don't think that's a good fit for that right now, maybe in the future, because 
you know, things are changing. Uh, we have a smaller community now and we're not, it's like the project in its current form is not the most mainstream project. However, we are slowly kind of taking steps towards that direction over the next year or so. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I think, uh, our, the way we think of collaborating with people now is it's not just about fame, right? Like it's more about, you know, what can they really contribute to this world? What can they do in terms of community building? What can, like, how can other people kind of rally around their uh, assets? So for example, um, we, when we did this project and had Snoop and Lewis and Grimes, we also had Mimi, who's one of my professors from college. So I brought on Mimi to design one of the custom hoverboards as well, because I thought that she would bring a really interesting perspective to this exercise. So that's what I'm really interested in now, which is working more with, you know, like researchers and academics and people that whose work is often not ever packaged for consumers. I think that's like, I, I want our community to have a sense of like intellectual curiosity and like, you know, uh, so we're trying to do a lot more of those kind of collaborations. And I feel like that makes sense because if it's a celebrity or somebody who just like put, like you said, puts their name on something and they aren't really don't have like that. And people don't see that interest in it. The audience is going to read right through. They know like, okay, this is just a money grab or they're trying to get fame because of this is the new technology coming up. So I, I definitely agree with that. That's important that you mostly align with people who it makes sense for, or like you said, who you're trying to kind of bring more into that space versus just, Oh, like, um, so until popular now, let's like, let's have him work with us. Like, no, people are going to read through that and it's not going to be the best partnership for both ends because the other person really doesn't have an interest in actually being there. Absolutely. Um, and um, my last question is, do you have any advice for anybody? Like if they're wanting to break off into the AR space or into the tech space that they're just like, I don't know how to do it or they're working and they're trying to make that transition into the space. Like, what would you recommend? I think the biggest thing I would say is that don't be afraid to just program and make things because programming or developing uh, just has this reputation as being a hard thing, just like how math has a reputation of being a hard thing, right? Like it's not that hard and there are extents, like you can go, sure, there are hard parts as well. If you're going to go into some insane computer vision algorithms and going to need hard math to achieve those things, that's a different thing. But when it comes to just being able to put together a small experience, put together, you know, like a small game or a small app, these are things that, in my opinion, everyone can do now. Like these are things you can research, put together quickly. I think often uh, people don't let themselves go and explore their creativity or, you know, get into actually making things because they think they don't have the skills and they think that they need to find someone technical to have the skills or they need to raise money to hire people that could do things for them. And I think it's just the wrong way of thinking because the amount of effort that goes into hiring people, finding the right people, communicating what needs to happen, getting the budgets, it takes less effort, in my opinion, to get your own hands dirty and be able to make something quickly. And, you know, it, it doesn't mean you now have to become a programmer for the rest of your lives, but really having some groundwork really helps later as well, right? Like I programmed all of our early projects ourselves. I don't touch programming anymore. We have a full team and, you know, we have like product leads and CTO and, you know, developers. And, you know, I don't really touch any of the programming. And at this point, it's all more advanced than I can probably handle, you know, or it would take me a while to really grasp how everything's being done in our app because we're using a lot more advanced things. And I've not been, I'm not up to speed because I'm not programming on a daily basis. 
But the fact that I did and make uh, I did make our early stuff, it makes me have a much more wholesome understanding of what it takes to do this, and uh, it makes me a better leader. It makes me be able to lead our engineering team in a more kind of realistic manner. And I agree with that because I feel like a lot of people they're like, "Oh, I'd love to learn programming or learn coding, but." I, I don't know who to ask or go to. And there's so many free resources. Like that was one of the things I did um, in 2020 when quarantine went, uh, when we were all locked down, I just did LinkedIn learning courses and watched YouTube tutorials and kind of taught myself. I'm like, oh, JavaScript. I haven't done this in a minute. Like, let me like do that. And we'll just spend a few hours a day doing it. I'm like, I have nothing else to do. And I feel like some people are there like, oh, it's time. But it's like, you, they have so many videos and resources that can teach you that in like 10, 15 minutes a day. And then next thing you know, like, you've developed a new skill over the next three months, six months or whatever that is. For sure. I think it's like two things I would say on that. One, it's harder to do things properly sometimes, right? Like to do things properly, you have to understand the fundamentals. You have to spend a lot of time that feels boring because you're not really making anything. You're still just stuck on the fundamentals and it's hard to do it properly. So don't worry about it too much. You don't, don't worry about doing it properly too much. Just do it. Like the best way, in my opinion, you know, obviously this is something that I'm sure other people could think differently on, but for what works best for me is knowing what I want to make first. It's like, okay, I want to make this project. I want it to be able to do this. And then you work backwards on being like, okay, what do I need to make this? And you learn exactly that. You Google like, hey, how do I put this here? You know, one of the first projects I did in AR was I, I did this project called Holograms from Syria, where I was basically taking images from the war in Syria and basically superimposing them into different spaces in the U.S. where they are. So in AR, you'd be able to see like, you know, someone fleeing war or, you know, these like really graphic images that were coming out of Syria at that time. The intention, the concept behind the project was we are used to seeing these images on social media. We're used to seeing these images in the newspaper. However, when you see the same images in your space, it has a completely different impact. It, it feels a lot more tangible and immediate, and you have more of a sense of urgency around it. Mm -hmm. And that was the concept. But technically speaking, it was an incredibly simple project. I was just cropping some images and putting them in AR. And that was, you know, something anyone could learn in like a 50 to 50 minute tutorial to be able to kind of put that together. Maybe they're really slow. Maybe it takes them a week to learn that. Right. But regardless, the concept, think of good concepts and what you actually want to make, because making things that way is way more rewarding and quick because you do some tutorials, find out some things, and then you have something you want to make. Mm -hmm. So I really recommend that, you know, yeah, kind of. You can't just like be like, oh, "I'm gonna learn whatever, whatever, whatever." It's like, okay, what are you, what are you using the skill for? It's like you can't just say like, "I'm hungry." Like, are you gonna make peeps? Are you gonna make a cake? Like, you exactly. kind of have to have a recipe to get started. <laughs> totally. Um, but thank you so much, Asaf, for joining us today. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you so much. This is great. Great questions. Wow, how great was this episode? If you were like me, you probably took a lot of notes and have a lot of questions and comments. So if you do, feel free to add us at Adweek across Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. And we'd love to hear from you all. And feel free to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. That always helps us. And we can't wait to hear from you all and see you in the next episode. So bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Young Influentials, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Al Manorino. 
Executive produced by Chris Ahrens and edited by Lane McGibney at Bountville Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.